Welcome back to another All About Jesus podcast. Today we're going to talk about uh, my testimony. I've never given my full testimony on here. Um, the hostess with the mostest is on here, my beautiful wife, Jill. Um, what's up, Jill? Hey. Um, it's awesome to have her back on here. We're just going to go through my testimony and whatever else that we might um, decide to talk about. Um, I want to start off with Romans chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. Well, then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of His wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? As me and Jill has changed our lives and given it uh, all to the Lord, um, we just can't. We just can't step back and uh, be the way that we used to be. Yeah, that's a pretty hard statement. <laughs> yeah, it's very hard. It's um, very hard not to fall back into some of the religion that a lot of the churches are filled with, but it's time just to be completely different and even to the extreme and just step completely away from all these religions and traditions and stuff that has nothing to do with glorifying God, that has nothing to do with um, anything that's in in the Word. Uh, we need to be completely surrendered to the Lord Jesus, the Almighty Great God. And... Um, when you go to some of the churches around and they got so many religions and so many traditions that have nothing to do with the Lord, that you never see any salvations, you never see any deliverance, you never see any healing through it, it just takes time away from the Word of God. Because the, the tradition of having to be over by 12 is a pretty tough one to break and uh, they fill it in with so much stuff that there's just hardly no time for the word. There's hardly no time for the altar. And um, these religion and traditions need to be broke. And people need to surrender fully to the Lord and fully live on the Lord's time. I was just thinking about the uh, James one twenty seven. It says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Like if we can't keep ourselves from being polluted by the world, um, obviously our religion is worthless. So many of the, the buildings bring in the world inside of it where we need to clean the inside of our cup before we start worrying about cleaning the outside of the cup. Yeah, it's a individual journey, and Lord, the Lord is gracious, you know. But it's one of those things where once you, once you see that it's sin, you can't go back, because then for you it's sin. Amen. Um, Man. But we don't want to look sometimes, and that's the thing. It's like we want to hide our, hide our head in the sand. Because we, we don't want to look at that because we enjoy it. You know, the traditions and all these things that we do. And, you know, well, we've always done that. Why would I want to take that away? I don't enjoy it. <laughs> well, I all. used to. Um, and um, I know a lot of people do. I know the new <laughs> season is coming. And um, we've already got a couple opportunities uh, 
lined up where we can go and speak to churches. And I know that a lot of it will be on breaking out of this religion and out of this tradition. Um, and a lot of the stuff is, it's hard to say. It's hard to be able to stand up there and um, tell people that what they're doing is not glorifying to God. Yeah. And obviously I don't live my life perfectly by any stretch of the imaginations, but you still have to be able to say it and have to be able to be trying yourself to get out of that and being fully surrendered to the Lord. Somebody has to say it. Right. We can't waste almost our whole church services in religion and tradition. Well, and we were talking about this morning, something that when you have the spirit of religion and you, you don't even know it mostly. And when you would say things like that, like, Oh, I would just like cringe and hated to hear it. Like I didn't want to hear because I'm all, you know, about peace and love, like a, which God is those things, but he's also a God of wrath and he's a God of order and he's a God of discipline. And so if we don't have both of those things together, then we're not, we're not following that plumb line that he created. Um, <clears throat> I think it's been, I don't know, last year sometime, maybe the year before that now, um, you were saying those things and I just hated, I didn't want to hear it, you know? And I was like, no, Brian, you can't say those to people it's so offensive and all this and and then I was getting ready one day and the Lord's like are you still so dull to me and I thought oh my goodness um, I did not realize that you know the truth stings like that sometimes and I had that religious spirit in me so yeah and I was bound in religion too when we first come back to the Lord, but I just know this year there's going to be quite a battle and we're going to get, I'm sure, persecuted a lot by the religious spirit, the Pharisee spirit, just, and it's the same spirit that killed Jesus. Yeah. I mean, that's who the Lord was, had his trouble with, was religious people, just like that we have today. They just don't want to know the truth. They don't, they don't want to do anything they can't touch, smell, or taste. Mm -hmm anything other than that they don't want to live into the miracle miracle realm well you go to church is, sorry go ahead requires faith i mean that's the whole thing about it if it if you don't have faith what are you basing anything that you believe on right i mean as we'll get into my testimony and the things that's happened to me a lot of people thought uh not getting the surgery and different stuff, I was going to kill myself. I mean, they didn't have faith in the Lord that he could heal me. They didn't have faith that the Lord was speaking to me. And these are people that's been going to church and um, going through the religious traditions for years after years after years, didn't have any faith. And I asked the Lord one time, I said, what are the people that go to church? Um, I've said this before. Um, I've, Jill and myself had both thought, like, you know, they got a lot of faith. They go every week. They sit there, but the Lord said they're faithless. They're adulteresses. They, uh, they do not really truly believe in me. They sit there, but they don't, uh, they don't have faith in me that what I can do other than the things that they can touch and taste and smell. So, so many churches are today inside the buildings, they don't, uh, they don't speak on 
healing. They don't speak on deliverance. A lot of churches, you know, they say their thing is in um, salvations and baptisms, but you look at their but if you look at their churches, there's hardly no salvations or baptisms. There's hardly anything going on. They're just doing good works. They're cooking a few meals, they're raking a few leaves, but they're not really helping anybody get out of bondage. And it's hard to get anybody out of bondage when you're in bondage yourself. Right. But most of them don't know that they are in bondage. So that's what this is about. We're here to like share what we believe to be the truth um, and the full gospel. And so it's all of those things. It's, it's salvation, it's deliverance, it's healing, it's um, you know, it's full circle. It's all the things together. And, and the main thing is self inspection, not self promotion, but self inspection, like ask the Lord, look at me, let's search my heart, Lord. And when he does bring up something to you, deal with it, not just shoving it back down. I mean, it's hard and I'm, I'm not good at it all the time either, but that's what we're promoting because he calls us to be disciples and grow up other disciples so that we can all go out as a great army of disciples, growing more and more disciples because he doesn't want anybody to perish. Amen. That's how you do it. That's how he does it. Yes. And it's not that I do everything that I've, that's come out of my mouth, but I at least believe it as we all do. It's hard to do everything that's completely right because of sin and, the devil telling us things. It's hard to listen to the, it's hard to know sometimes what spirit is is speaking to you. Mm. I see a guy can get con, confused and get on the wrong path, but we know what the Bible says. That's why you have to know the word. That's why you have to be in the secret place. That's why you have to have your, your time with the Lord. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different things we go to. I mean, we do some ourselves with, Man ups or worship house or podcasts or you know there's encounters and post encounters and church and on and on and on. And I like all that stuff, but my favorite thing is just getting up and being with the Lord by myself. Right. I don't. You need the events because you need to pour out. Yeah. If I just sat here and just studied all the time and never poured out, I would never grow. I so won't. you need to go to the stuff and be able to to pour out, but the main thing to me is that is um, just being with Jesus. Right. Him and him and me, yes. And I think that doesn't start like immediately for people. I was just thinking in the for I guess I can speak for myself. In the beginning it was I needed those places to go to because I was hungry and I didn't know I mean I knew of, of the secret place but not like really know the secret place like oh, I yeah, would be too. reading the word um but just just that you can sit in his presence and you don't have to say anything sometimes he just wants you to be still and it's okay you don't have to it isn't always about you know even praying like sometimes you know when you're gosh even like us when you're in a relationship for this long sometimes it's fine just to sit beside you in silence we don't have to be talking the whole time Mm -hmm. um and you begin to grow this relationship and you know one another and you you know what's going to be said or you can even tell by just a face movement or you know just anything 
it's just like, oh, that's disappointment or that's happy or, you know, all those things. And I think that that's the best thing about getting to know Jesus is getting to know him just like you would when you go on that first date and you, um, that was something we talked about recently. It was in one of my devotions was that we should be dating Jesus like and how exciting that is when you when you first start a relationship with somebody and and you're just getting to know them and then you go through that part where you're like oh well this is annoying or whatever I mean not that Jesus should be annoying to you but he probably can be in some ways because you don't want to change you know Mm -hmm. and he's like hey this doesn't look like me I want you to look like me in this area Um, but anyway the secret place is the ultimate destination. I mean, I don't know. Obviously, heaven is the only other place, um, which I assume is going to be something like the secret place, but um, it's the closest thing we have now. But I do think that the the opportunities to pour out are very important. Um, and when you go to, say, a, a church that doesn't even allow the opportunity or um, they just try to, well, like you always say, they're firemen, like to put out the fires Mm -hmm. um, of the Holy Spirit. Um, It really hinders your walk with the Lord when you aren't taking that time. And it honestly, it doesn't have to be in a church setting. I mean, if we were truly walking as the disciples did, as the 12 disciples like we're supposed to be, we should be doing this everywhere we step our foot. Mm-hmm. So whether it is at Walmart or, um, you know, getting groceries, getting gas, whatever, we should be always having that mindset of um, being ready and available to give a reason, you know, for our faith and our, our love for the Lord. Yes. Then just being with the Lord and not having to, uh, speak is just kind of like the more comfortable that me and you have got with each other you mean go on a long trip we don't have to be talking all the time and wondering what the other person is thinking right you know sometimes we just a lot of times we just need to be quiet and just be in the presence of the lord and be comfortable we don't always need to be asking or even praising or telling him this or that Mm -hmm. just be comfortable being in the lord's presence that's the more that you're with him, the more that you're just comfortable with him. And you know that he's with you and you know that he's speaking through and you know the Lord's voice. It's just, um, I don't know if I ever told on here or not, but as our old dog passed away, you know, he would always, um, he knew my voice. He always knew my voice. It didn't matter who was talking or how much noise it was when he, when he said his name. He knew my voice and he would come to me, but he was always looking and seeking for me. It's easier for me to hear your voice in a room filled with people. If I'm looking, where is Jill at? I want to get over by her and and tell her that I'm here. I just walk in. I'm not paying any attention. I'm gabbing around over here. But if I'm really seeking and looking for you, it's so much easier to hear your voice. And so many times we're not even really looking or seeking for Lord's voice. And, uh, wonder why that we can't hear him because you're not listening well we use him like a um, like a genie or you know just when we get into a trouble oh lord help me out of this or instead of like he bought and paid for our lives 
mm-hmm. with his blood and his sacrifice on the cross. And so really our lives are not our own. We're bought and paid for by him. And so you can either be a slave to sin and live a life of, um, des- you know, devastation, really. You're, you're going to be <laughs> um, going straight to hell. Or you can, like, crucify your flesh and give your life to Jesus as he calls you. I mean, who, who I know you and I would have never thought we would be doing a podcast I mean, I, I never even once crossed my mind about doing anything like this. It says in Romans six sixteen, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Mm-hmm. So what voice are we listening to? Yeah. Are we listening to the 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 voice of the God of self? Are we listening or seeking for the Lord's voice on what he wants us to do? And a lot of times I know for myself, like, well, I have the opportunity to do this or I have the, the, the means to be able to do something so the Lord would probably be okay with me doing it, but that's not always correct. We right. always need to be seeking the Lord. We always know that we always know that we need to know that the Lord is always with us, and it's the reasons that everything happens. If you're driving down the road and you run off the the curb a little bit because you're looking at your phone or you're not paying attention, and you pull it back on, and you kind of just realize of what could have happened is your first thought, thank you, God, for saving me. I've noticed myself that I've, and it wasn't nothing that I've thought about. It was just being in the presence of the Lord more and seeking God more and just realizing that. So I think I was, you read in First Chronicles 28, the, David's um, dispraise to God of how everything comes from the Lord and nothing that we have, everything we have comes from God. Anything that we could give to God, he's already given to us. And you, and you keep reading that and understanding more of it. You know that everything that happens, the Lord allows it. And if something doesn't happen that could have went bad, I mean, you need to praise God for it, for the bad and for the good. Right. It all comes from him. And the more that we understand that, the more we can understand our friendship and our um, just our walk with the Lord becomes stronger because he, <laughs> he is it. Right. You just made me think about um, dad, you know, has been gone five years now. But we went, well, he was at home for about a month on hospice and... I would drive over there almost every day and I would be coming back and forth, you know, and, and the only thing that song that I could sing was the doxology and it's, which is so, I don't know, at the time I didn't understand it, but now if you hear it, it's just like, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And it was just like, even in death, praise was flowing out of my heart because I knew that my dad knew Jesus. And so I wasn't afraid. And we don't, you know, when people um, pass away that don't have that hope, 
Um, it's just devastation, you know, when you don't know where your loved one is going. And we need to be, have this urgency um, to be finding out. Like, it's kind of like, why do, why do you send flowers after someone's gone? Send them while they're alive so that they know that you love them. Say it to them now. As he's watching the movie, Paul the Apostle, and he looks a lot like somebody we all know um, in the movie. Um, and somebody was, a group of people was taken off and being killed for being Christians, and Paul was just like, pretty much, praise God. We know where they're going. They're going to heaven. Right. There was no sorrow. There was no sadness. They obviously didn't want him to go through the pain, but, yeah. man, I mean, your your dad was a wonderful man, and... Um, now he's in heaven with, with the Lord. I mean, living, living a life that's that he never got to live here. Right. So, yeah, that was pretty cool part in the movie. <laughs> Just thinking about the celebration that they were having in heaven when all the martyrs were killed. Right. Um, yeah. But it was a good show. Yeah. Well, we'll get started here on this uh, testimony. Um, a while back, I was, after a posting counter, um, I think Jeff Brawley was speaking, and the next day, I was just driving along and uh, thinking about, because Jeff said everybody needs to get their testimonies written, and I do have mine written in a way of just kind of bullet points that I've spoke it before, then I wrote it all out to my best ability to give it somewhere else. But we just was, um, and I was just driving down the road and all of a sudden the Lord just said, uh, I'll be ready in January. And I just said it and I said it again about, I'll be ready to be able to give my testimony at the encounters in January. And I mean, I just broke and just, start crying and couldn't stop is even thinking in my own mind, why can't I stop crying? So I knew the Lord wanted me to get it wrote and get it turned in to the uh, men's encounter um, to be able to say it in January. What will happen? Well, it'll be what the Lord allows. So Jill was like, well, you get it, you speak it, then I'll be able to type it out and be able to send it in to uh, Travis. So, we was thinking different ways to record it. Then we thought, well, we'll just do a podcast. I'll just say it on here and we can use the podcast or we can at least be on there where Jill can get it typed out and she'll be here. She's a very big uh, part of my testimony. I've been with uh, her longer than I was with by myself. And um, we've had a lot of rough times, but we've had a lot of times where we just knew that we truly always loved each other way down Below all the the crud, there was just a true love there. When things were terrible and we could always go back to we knew that we didn't not want to not be together. We just struggled getting along. Yeah. <laughs> or I did. <laughs> so I'll just start. Philippians 3.7, yet all of the accomplishments that I once took credit for I have now forsaken them, and I regard it all as nothing compared to the light of experiencing Jesus Christ as my Lord. 
I've just been a slave to sin my whole life. I've been filled with anger and rage and just filled with rebellion. I've been addicted to drugs and alcohol, tobacco. I've committed adultery. I've been full of pride and arrogance. And all I thought about was myself. I've been a liar and a cheater and a thief. Just a terrible person, a terrible husband, a terrible father, a terrible son, a terrible friend. But most of all, I was just a, to been a terrible Christian as an example. As we was talking earlier, we have so many people that are maybe go to church that just are not great examples for people outside the church. And that's a big reason why people don't want to go in and even find out and even know Jesus because they don't want to be like the people that's inside the church. The church is always more worried about going out and fixing this or fixing that instead of just cleaning their own inside of the cup so people would be drawn to the Lord. But I was there. I was a terrible Christian, a terrible example for sure. Because I got saved when I was 12 years old, church camp. Uh, I, I can remember it to the day as we sitting around a fire and all of a sudden the tears started rolling down my face and a couple uh, older uh, girls come over to me and knew that uh, what was happening and um, gave my life to the Lord. I got baptized at the Gilman Church. But that didn't last long. Uh, as I got older, 14 or 15, started drinking, uh, just doing whatever I wanted to. Ended up Jill uh, um, got pregnant when we was both... Uh, I was 18 and she was 16. Uh, we got married when we was 19 years old because we grew up, you know, in church and had uh, the values of you got uh, you got pregnant, you got got married, and uh, we believed that. It ain't something I wanted to do. I really, I didn't want to do it at all. But I just knew it was what I was supposed to do. So I. Um, so I just kind of stepped up and did it but as it says in uh, Romans um, chapter 7 verse 15 I don't really understand myself for what I want to do is what what is right but I don't do it instead I do what I hate but if I know that what I'm doing is wrong this shows that I agree that the law is good so I'm not going so I'm not the one doing wrong it is sin living in me that does it So we ended up getting married, and uh, we've been married now for 31 years. And uh, by the world's standards, the marriage should have never, never made it. But as, uh, but the Lord um, had a different plan. Jill always wanted the marriage to work, and she just was a lot more um, into it than. I ever was. I just couldn't couldn't get growed up. I just couldn't uh, really fully take on the responsibility. I said yes, but I just didn't. Uh, I just didn't live up to my my side of it. Obviously, Jill, um, she wasn't perfect through the whole thing, but she uh, um, she done the best she could for um, the situation she was in. It seemed like I no more got married. I went off to the navy. Um, I really got along good with boot camp and school, but just uh, having knowing that Jill was going to have to move out to wherever I was at with me, I just 
I knew that wasn't going to work. I knew that uh, if she come all the way out there, um, I knew I probably wouldn't grow up and just really make it even worse for her. So I got discharged uh, from the Navy. Um, we come back. Uh, believe we had another child, uh, Molly. As uh, things were going along there, then for some reason, as me and Jill had both had um, committed adultery against each other, um, I can't even think what really led to it. But we started going back to church. We was around twenty-four or twenty-five years old, or I was. Um, we was going along really good. We was both just completely on fire. I was in the Word. I was reading. Um, and um, just one day, um, it just, I didn't want to do it anymore. I really don't, even today, I don't really know what exactly happened. And at that time, um, we'd kind of started a men's group. Uh, a bunch of men come over to my house, and we was just sitting around and just talking, listening to videos, and just really doing good. We was having uh, these big prayer circles that circle the church. And uh, we just, I remember just holding people's hands at that time, and you could just feel the Spirit just going through that whole circle. It was unbelievable. I don't know if I've, we've done a lot of prayer circles now, but I don't know if I ever f felt the energy like I, I did back at that time. It was it was amazing. Um, then there come up, uh, I think there was, we the church needed a, a new preacher at the time, and we'd all voted, and uh, the vote um, didn't go how I thought that the uh, vote should go. I knew what the Lord had told me. Uh, some of the church members had come up to myself and some other people and wanted us to change our vote, and I just know I was very frustrated, uh, walked out of the church, and then just uh, I was working. We'd started our, our business at that time, and just kind of a lot of the guys that I was running around with, I was still working with, and it was just, I couldn't, and I would witness to them, but just couldn't really get separated from it, and just finally got drugged back into the, back into the world, and um, back off, I went doing things that I shouldn't, and I know Jill was just completely and totally uh, devastated, devastated yeah. by this turn of events. Then as I started down the line of uh, the ward roofing business, I just got filled with greed, and I just wanted to do what I wanted to do, which led to 25 years of bad decisions. The business did good, but I was becoming more and more of a bad husband, a drunk, a drug addict. And I was there, and I wasn't there for my kids, but I wasn't, I wasn't teaching them anything like a dad should teach his kids. But the best part really through the thing was Jill. She just never really tried to turn the kids on me. She always wanted to, to have them love me. I'm trying to read some of the stuff that I've wrote and be able to <laughs> speak. <laughs> and my handwriting is not very good. <laughs> so that's just a, it's a miracle that our, that our kids, they just love me through all of it. I mean, I was there, but I wasn't there. Um, 
the one of the main things I really regret about my kids and not being there, I just never did tell them that uh, how much that I truly loved them. I don't know if my parents told me that or not. Obviously, must not have because I don't remember it. But it is just so important to be able to keep telling your kids how much you love them, how much you appreciate them, um, just how proud you of them. Because I know the times that I did, I mean, you could just could really see how that just made them made them felt. Um, it is something that uh, is just a miracle as um, the testimony goes on that how all the kids have, have turned and um, given their life back to the Lord and just followed the lead of of their dad. But they seen how bad their dad was, and I was honest with them, and we did things together, and, uh, and I always told my kids the truth. So when they seen that I turned, they really knew um, that it was it was true. Yeah. So we have to teach our kids the way we want them to act, not not get mad when they make a mistake. We can't spoil them and think they're going to do things the right way. We have to be able to teach them, not do things for them. Proverbs twenty two six: Start a child off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. And uh, that goes back to my parents. They didn't. Um, always do everything right by any means. And uh, my family, uh, I'd guess they'd say they was pretty religious. They grew up in the Baptist church and they do things a certain ways, but they always did point me towards Jesus. Probably didn't always see Jesus in them, but they would always point me that way. And they took me to church and um, gave me the opportunity to be able to find the Lord on my own. And uh, sometimes when you grow up and, um, religious style churches it does hurt you because it uh, gets you kind of stuck but at least you have the opportunity to be able to to find the Lord because the Lord is everywhere just because you're you don't have to be a full gospel and all this stuff for the Lord to be there he can be at a ball game or church or anywhere it doesn't it doesn't doesn't matter My whole life, you know, of knowing of knowing the Lord from a young age, I could just always feel the conviction um, from God. And when I was doing things wrong, I, did, I knew it was wrong. But as I read o- earlier in Romans 7, I mean, I did what I knew was wrong, but I kept, kept doing it. I just couldn't, a lot of times just couldn't stop from doing wrong. I got to where I just really enjoyed being, being that way, being evil, being... Um, and just being bad. That's just what I believe my personality was built on and just accepted what I was, which was which was a lie from the devil. But as time kept going on and uh, it finally got to about 2018, um, drug addiction probably got worse than ever. I remember just using um, cocaine every day for two years without ever stopping. Most time I would stop and drink and do drugs then I'd stop then I'd race four-wheelers or I would coach basketball or I would do this or that then but I would never really mix both of them at the same time I just would be filling in holes um not with the Lord but with anything um, from the world but this time I just completely just kept using drugs over and over after this finally quit doing drugs I just started to expand our business which just made me um, completely miserable 
for some reason. I just got complaining and just, um, I was just a mess. I don't, it really took like my purpose of being a man away from me. I just, I really don't know why it happened, but praise God that it, praise God that it did. It was going good. I just couldn't accept any of it and was, as I said, um, miserable. It was getting closer to getting to the, uh, the COVID shutdown times and, uh, Jill at first, she was, uh, got watching the TVs and kind of believing what they was telling us, but I just never, never believed it. And then we started really, then she didn't go down that road for very long. And we started really watching the conspiracies, the theories, which made us think of what we had learned when we was younger. As it says, even, you know, as you learn as a kid, it'll bring you back and you'll be able to remember this stuff in your older days. Mm-hmm. It's just like, man, I believe the world is coming to an end. We're going to have to start, uh, because the more you listen to conspiracy theories, not that they're not true, but we wasn't really seeing anything happen that we was listening to through Trump was going to do this and Trump was going to do that. And maybe it was happening behind the scenes, but we couldn't see it with our own eyes. And it was just like, man, I believe the world's coming to an end. I've got to start going uh, um, back to church. And we just, you know, really thank God for whatever Trump's about, but he did put a light on the corruption of America. And uh, and that's what really opened our eyes to uh, going back to Jesus. And, uh, but later in the, the testimony, but the Lord just kind of, um, made me think just like I just kind of looked at my grandboys and the Jesus spoke through them and they just said Paul what about us who's going to teach us Paul you haven't taught our moms and dads anything who was going to teach us Paul and that's when I said I would so I started going back to church I went to the Coffee Church and Kirkley Church and the Gilman Church. But I was only half in. I was still drinking on the weekends. But when I started going back, I really enjoyed it. I was, you know, getting involved and um, trying to do what uh, religion teaches you to do. You know, you try to read the Word. You try to go to church. You try to do this. But there was like, there was just like really... Nothing there. Um, But I knew if I ever missed a Sunday, I would probably just fall uh, back off. And I finally just got just completely lukewarm. I was going there, going to different Bible studies, but I wasn't getting anything out of it. I'd never been more miserable than this in my life, and I finally just screamed out to God, what do you want of me? I thought I was doing better than I had in a long time, but God wanted the full submission. That's when I found, and I thought I, was in, I thought I had an infected hair. So finally I went to the doctor, and after, and after it I wouldn't go, and it wouldn't go away, and I just had a feeling it was something. In my mind I just kept thinking, there's just something more to this. So I went for a checkup, and they said it was cancer. Well, I figured I would get cancer, Someday, anyway, I'd always thought negative and just figured it probably happened to me. And it just started getting bigger. And it started just smelling like sulfur all the time. 
remember going to the driving range one time and um, sweating. And on my way home, I just started smelling this. And I thought, man, this must be, didn't realize I was <laughs> sweating and stinking this bad. But it was just that um, open sore that was on my on my face, just, just oozing out the smell of sulfur, just oozing out the smell of sin. So I went and got a CAT scan. Um, and it was hard to get into the doctors this time during the COVID time. Got a scat, CAT scan. Uh, and uh, so I was just sitting there at church and uh, going back and forth to church and um, still just didn't really know what to do. I was just... Really, remember screaming out to God. Just, I just, I wish He would kill me now. I just, uh, um, I'll just, if you kill me with this cancer, I'll just go around and tell everybody about the Lord, and I'll be able to be able to go on to heaven. I thought if, because uh, Jill and her sister kept telling me I need to go to the church and get uh, anointed with oil and prayed over, as it says in James five fourteen and uh, six through sixteen. And I just thought, man, even if I do get healed. Still, just going to be going to church. Um, still, just going to be miserable, not really knowing what a full encounter with the Lord is, because I um, really kind of forgot what happened to me. And I was back when I was twenty-five. I knew it was great, but just I was still just stuck. So I finally uh, went and. Got anointed with oil at church. I remember my Uncle Ronnie had uh, called me one day just out of the blue and wanted me to help put some metal on a roof for a lady they was helping there in, uh, in the town. I went, and um, after it was over with, just a day of just spending a day with the brothers working on a house, um, doing good works. So kind of, you know, doing good works is not always bad by any means. I don't mean that. It can always lead to lead to great things. And I remember going up to him after it was over with and just said, will you anoint me with oil and uh, pray over me at church in, in the name of Jesus? And he said he would. Um, so the day after we went to church and at the end, he set out a chair there in um, the middle of the church. He called me to come up there and... Uh, it was just really humbling to be able to walk up there because, you know, as you go back to church, there's times the Lord's speaking to you and you just don't want to get up. You don't want to go to the altar. Everybody's looking at you. Um, but it all starts with humbling yourself. And obviously the first thing I forgot to say is, you know, asking my uncle to, to pray over me was humbling. It's not even really that big a deal. It was just, it was just humbling. And I wasn't really for sure if I even really wanted to even be healed. You know, that's a question we need to ask ourselves. Do we want to be healed? Do I do you want to do you want to live? Do you want to submit? Do you want to give it all to the Lord? And at that time, <laughs> I didn't know what I wanted. So I go up to the front, Ron uh pours oil on me, and he poured a lot of oil on me, and it just run down my back and my and into my beard, and just really after thinking about it now, how symbolic that was of all that oil running over me and he prayed and um, a few other the deacons prayed but when I got to my got to my wife to pray Jill 
she knew I need to be healed from cancer, but she knew my real problem was, was the healing of my heart. Um, as it says in Ezekiel 36, 26, you know, um, I don't have that written. I'm going to look that up real quick. My heart was just, you know, a heart of stone. I just, I didn't love, I didn't, uh, Trouble finding it. So I sat there, and after they all prayed, I remember just uh, just crying. Just tears started running down my face, and I don't remember the, the last time that uh, I'd really cried like that. Here it says, Ezekiel 36, 26. I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And 27. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my degrees and to be careful to keep my laws. So I just sat there and cried and just something completely changed in me at that day. Um, and just really started bringing Jill and myself closer together. We was on our knees praying together. But then I still had to go back and uh, do a do an MRI, and I was just kind of torn at that time of, uh, um, of what to do, you know, I believed to a point I could be healed, but I wouldn't, I didn't truly believe it, because um, you just don't see and hear a lot about people getting prayed for and, and healed, you know, that's, that's why that should happen more in the church, that's why it should happen, that's why you should speak on it more, because people would get more used to these miracles happen and you would start submitting yourself more to God than, than to doctors. Um, so, you know, obviously going to some of the churches we went to, you just didn't hear much about it. They didn't preach much about it, but it, it ought to be spoken about every Sunday, every time you have an altar call, you know, you need salvations. If you need healing, you need deliverance. Um, come to the front and let us, let us pray over you. Because the more that you see miracles, the more that your faith grows. I mean, you go to church and you never see a miracle. I mean, you just don't believe that miracles can happen. Right. And so it's just, it's so, so important. Um, well, you had the biopsy. And so that came back first before you went to, for the MRI. And they said, yeah. Remember? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you did this, the CAT scan and the yeah. MRI. Yeah, as I said, I'd done the CAT scan, so I knew that we had uh, cancer. It obviously, as you see the pictures, you can see it growing on the side of my face, which is awesome in some ways because people can actually see this miracle from how it grew to it completely being taken off my face. Right. Um, so we went to the doctor, and uh, she just started drawing um, this marker all over my face, and... Uh, at that time, it was just like, wow, this is a lot bigger deal than Jill and myself had both had thought. Yeah, because it was actually going to be like she was going to take skin from your neck and pull it up over your cheek because this, this area was like right about your beard line. Mm -hmm. That's why you thought it was an infected area. And uh, that day was just a very strange day. She started cleaning my ears. She was an ear and throat doctor and it 
I never had so much pain in my life if she was doing that. So in some ways, I believe it was the God, I believe it was the Lord just making me lose trust in her. It's just like, why are you hurting me so bad? I've got enough problems without some wax in my ears. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we left there, and I had to get the MRI because of uh, wanting to be sure where they cut. They didn't get into any yeah get into nerves and um so i went to the mri before i left the house molly and thane got into a big skirmish and just like man i've got all this pressure on me of knowing what to do and you two are arguing about i don't even know what it was finally uh get to the uh, the doctor go in there i get in the mri machine and uh as soon as he started pushing me back in that big tube um and any time I would just uh, shut my eyes or they had music on, I said, yeah, go ahead and turn the music on. It was just kind of a regular rock station. At that time, um, I probably was still listening to a little bit of that kind of music. I can't remember. But it was just like driving me crazy. And then every time I'd shut my eyes, I could just feel that whole tube just getting completely filled with just spirits. I was just terrified. I was just scared to death. I mean, I just would try to scream out, let me out of here, but nothing would come out of my mouth. And uh, and I don't ever remember memorizing this verse or even trying to. It was just, it was just the Holy Spirit. And I just started saying, James 4, 7, submit to God, then resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. And I said it over and over and over again. As I was in there, uh, probably 45 minutes, and I mean just complete, terror just uh i just it was just unbelievable so the doctor gets me pulls me back out of there and says you need to do something he kind of moved me around or done something i can't think what he gave to me and i said i'd have to go back in there for 10 minutes and i was just like i just can't uh um take much longer this i mean i am wore out so i went back in for another 10 minutes and the spirits come back out and it was just, uh, and I remember reciting James 4, 7 again, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Just over and over. And then I just start saying, thank you, Lord, for healing me. Thank you, God, for healing me. And that was just all the, the Holy Spirit. I mean, I don't, I had no idea that he was going to, really heal me at that time I, I just I don't know I just started saying it. it was just awesome so then he finally got me back out of there and he looked at me he said man you all right and I was just like I'm wore out and he said well, a lot of people they get claustrophobia I was like I don't have claustrophobia I know I don't I was anointed with oil at church I've gave my life to the to the Lord I'm seeking God and the devil he's mad he doesn't he doesn't want to lose me and he the doctor kind of said some more doctor stuff and um, got my clothes back on. I went back out in my car and I just sat there and I just cried. I was just, whew, I was just overwhelmed. I went on down to a town and got a sandwich or something. And on my way back, the doctor had called and, uh, doctor said well uh good news is you um 
the cancer hasn't grown any, so you should be able to, that's good. You just have to go ahead and get the surgery and, um, um, you know, just like praise God for that. And, uh, and I'm still thinking in my mind, like I just, I just told the Lord, thank you for healing me. I mean, what is going on? What am I supposed to do? And about this time we had started going to a, uh, um, a tent revival up to Bethany, a 40-day tent revival. And, you know, as that was getting started, I remember we went the first or second night, probably it's kind of all this was going around. It's just like, man, how could anybody go to this for 40 days? I can't hardly even go to church, you know, at, at this time. And so we just started started going, and Jill couldn't go this night. But uh, I told everybody, you know, about the, the cancer and what was going on. But I didn't want to go up there and tell other fellow believers because of um, just a human being's lack of faith. I knew if I started telling people, you know, the doctor said good news, you don't have to get the surgery. Um, You've got to get the surgery, but your cancer didn't grow. And everybody would be like, well, just go ahead. I mean, great. Hey, that's awesome news. You know, everybody gets the surgery. Everybody does it. But I didn't want anybody's negative. um, Their unbelief. I didn't want their unbelief put on to me. I mean, I wanted to do what God wanted me to do. Once in my life, I just like, I'm going to do what the Lord wants me to do. I don't care what happens to me. I'm going to put it all in the hands of the Lord. And I mean, totally just seeking God of what do you want? And I should, I, I should be like that in every decision that I make every day of my life, but, but I'm not. In kind of situations where it's, life and death and you've got all you've got is your faith and and the lord um it was a it was a kind of an odd time going through that but i mean man what a growing and i still i mean i praise god for cancer i know a lot of people uh praise god for different situations in their life but i just really think the lord gave me cancer because i don't think i would have would have made it. I mean, I was just right at the brink of just like, I might as well go back to the world. I'm, I'm not getting anything here. I'm as miserable as I've ever, ever been in my life. And, uh, I remember the song leader, Ashley, I was sitting there and he's just like, yeah, hey, what the, what the results come back, Brian? And I'm just like, um, I don't know yet. I'm just waiting on to see what Jesus wants me to do. So, I went back home that night and um, not really sure what to do. Then the next night, I remember uh, we both went back up there together. And uh, so, Dane's just... uh, so Dwayne gets up there and he gets ready to start uh, preaching, and he's just like, "Man, the Lord just changed my uh, changed my message. We're going to go to uh, the Book of Acts, chapter three, and uh, so as he's reading along there, and I mean, I could just tell the Lord was speaking just right to me, and uh, he got to verse six, Acts three six. But Peter said, "I don't have any silver or gold for you." 
but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And I knew that, uh, I knew this sermon was for me. I mean, I just could really feel the Lord really speaking to me as he kept reading down through it. And um, he got over to Acts 3.16. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was. And before the father, you know how crippled he was. Before father, (laughs) sorry about that. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. And I could just feel that I got healed right there. And as I've read this before, and it says, you know how crippled this man was. I wasn't crippled by my legs or um, couldn't walk, but I was just spiritually and just mentally crippled. Um, and the Lord, and the Lord healed me. Good. So the night before that, there was a lady there that had heard me say that I was just waiting on what Jesus had me to do, and she had missed an opportunity. Um, to be able to pray for somebody at the at the Mayo clinics. And she's just like, I'm not going to miss an opportunity again to pray for this man. Mm-hmm. So finally, after Dwayne got uh, done with his word there in Acts 3, it's just like, I'm going to go up front. I'm finally just going to, to talk to somebody else about um, um, what I should do. Um, should I go ahead with what the world wants, or should I just just walk away from it and to say the Lord has healed me. He was just very difficult. And so, but Dwayne, he just kind of changed it that night. He kind of went back to, uh, we just got a prayer circle around this small heater in this room. And uh, we all just kind of grabbed hands and just stood in the circle, just like I did uh, 25 years ago. It's amazing how the Lord just brings everything back uh, full circle. Dwayne asked this lady that uh, knew she should pray for me to start praying. As we found out later in her mind, she was kind of like, kind of like I was when I when Ashley asked uh, how my MRI went. I was just like, man, I don't, I don't speak in church at that time. I don't, you know, I don't. Why are you bothering me? And she, he asked her to pray, and she was kind of like the same thing, just. Like man, I don't, I don't pray out loud. But then she just started praying to this man to the, to the left of me. We just pray for healing, and I don't even remember what she was even saying. It's the craziest thing. I mean, Jill knew who she was talking about. I'm just sitting there thinking in my mind, like man, there's somebody in there that's really struggling. There's somebody in here worse than me. There's somebody <laughs> in quite a spiritual battle. Somebody must have got up and ran out of this this tent. I had no idea she's talking about, it. and the Lord just spoke to me as as loud and as clear as I'm talking to you today, that she's talking about you. She's talking about you. Man, I just felt the the presence of God, and I just knew he was there with me. And as uh, we got done praying, and um, some other people had prayed, and I just kind of asked everybody just to, just to pray for me, give me strength. I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to call the doctors tomorrow, and I'm going to tell them I'm not going to get surgery. I'm going to do what the Lord wants me to do. Um, I'm just going to follow him, and me and Jill kind of talked on the way home, and I did ask her again just to make sure that it wasn't her because this voice that said, I'm talking to you, sounded sounded like her. But uh, she had lost her voice. She couldn't even hardly even, even speak at all. 
And she said, no, that was the Holy Spirit. So um, what an awesome moment after the, the tent revival, just riding home. The next day I get up and uh, I start calling the doctors. Like, I'm not going to do it. Cancel my appointment. And they just kept calling back five or but five times that day. Like, yeah, we changed your appointment. And they would say this and they'd say that. And each time it's just like, I just talked to you. I don't, uh, I'm not doing it. I'm going to do what the Lord has me to do. And I'm not, I'm not, I won't be in for surgery. Um, and I think the last one who had called was the main doctor, the one that had kind of put the, um, the marker on my face and was going to do the actual surgery and start talking, um, um, a lot of doctor medical terms. I didn't have any idea. So I remember walking back inside from the, the office and, giving the phone to Jill, and as we sat in there listening to that lady, she said, um, my parents are spiritual too, but they always said the Lord gave you a brain and you ought to use it. And in my mind at that time, I'm kind of thinking, well, maybe this lady's kind of looking out for my benefit. Maybe I just didn't hear from the Lord. Obviously, I haven't heard from him for 25 years. I might be just um, not wanting to get the surgery because I didn't want to get the surgery because I was scared of the medical field that time for the COVID and, and scared this lady after she hurt my ears so bad. I was just like, I don't, I don't want to do it. But I didn't want my own personal feelings to get involved with what the Lord wanted me to do. So I'm just kind of like, is the Lord sending me that helicopter and I'm out in the middle of the water? Kind of that story there. I just kept thinking that and I'm just not taking what he's saying. And Jill was sitting there beside me and she goes, Brian, I just believe this this is from the devil, not the lady, but just what she's saying. The devil is speaking through her, trying to convince you that it's okay to get the surgery. And she said, don't do it. And I remember sitting there in my chair and had a hooded sweatshirt on, and I just remember pulling the hood over my sweatshirt, just like so distraught of like, what decision should I make? And I just told the lady, I said, I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to do what the Lord wants, whatever happens happens I'm, I'm fine with it but I know the Lord is leading me this way so I go back to the revival again the next night Jill wasn't able to go and uh, I was just almost there it was just pouring down rain and the presence of the Lord just fell upon me in that little little car and just like Brian I would not want to be you if you get that surgery or you fall away from me again. And I mean, I broke. <laughs> I cried and I cried and I cried. So I went and on to the revival that night and I don't really remember even what happened. But uh, so then, um, and I probably kind of messed up the testimony. I think the, probably the next day is when the main doctor called and the part that I just said it happened, but I can't can't really remember. Yeah. And uh, but I knew that uh, um, I knew I was not supposed to get that surgery. But the Lord, He kept the devil kept working on me, making me doubt, making me have a lot of unbelief. Um, just constantly, am I doing the right thing? And and He just woke me up in the in the middle of the night, um, and I'd already been kind of reading 
in the Word on my telephone. I was in James 5 reading, reading about rich oppressors of uh, not being right to the people that, that work for you and being greedy and uh, um, knew that part of my life I was still struggled with but knew it, knew it wasn't right. It was time for a change. Then all of a sudden he just woke me up again out of my sleep and just like, you made the wrong decision. You're going to kill yourself. So I reached back, grabbed my phone, but, you know, as and the Lord had switched it over to, over to James um, 1. As I started reading down through there, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. I got to verse 4, and I knew he was speaking right to me. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete in need of nothing. I knew then the Lord had just been putting me through this testing to build my faith. Because if he just healed me immediately, I don't think it would have completely changed my life, and it wouldn't have restored our marriage, and it wouldn't have changed our kids' lives. It was through this time of this faith building and praying and just uh, becoming and seeking and coming closer to the Lord is what is what changed me. So sometimes miracles happen immediately, and sometimes they they take a while. But a miracle is a miracle. But before this, my good friend uh, Fidel. Um, he kept telling me he was just really, really concerned for me and really it changed his life in a, a lot of ways too. But he kept saying, I need to pour salt water over this wound. And when you, if you see the pictures of it, you can see the wound was kind of an open gash. It's just like, man, that's really going to burn. But it just seemed like when he was speaking, it wasn't him. It was, it was the Lord speaking through him. So after that and I don't know how many times that Jill had did it, but she would always pour salt water, warm salt water over this wound, and she would just pray over me um, night after night. And finally, after I finally just quit doubting and just knew the Lord had completely healed me, got took all my doubts away and built my faith up, you know, gave me the faith of, uh, gave me the faith of Noah and Abraham. And uh, this... This wound just started breaking off in these small little little pieces till it finally went away. And each little piece was just, and it just smelled like that sulfur. And we just, you know, throw it in the, in the trash. Then I was just completely healed. My heart was healed Amen. and uh, set me on a, on a path to be able to seek and find the Lord. And the testimony and the, how that happened to me changed Jill's life, changed our kid's life, has changed... Uh, a lot of other people's lives from hearing and seeing this miracle and seeing somebody that was so one way to be conflipped and changed the other way, which led into the Lord, uh, um, led into a doing a men's uh, kind of a little Bible study on our Bible app, which uh, that led to into the man up revivals that uh, we've had 50, some of them that's which, is uh, how many? I think it's like thirty. Thirty. Whoop. <laughs> Gonna be fifty. I claim it. Sorry. 
Um, has to be. <laughs> there's been uh, lives changed in that. There's been salvations. There's been marriages restored. Amen. And I remember sitting there that first time doing a man up a revival kind of up there on the front row and somebody walked by me and I believe they probably had tears in their eyes or something and um, went to the altar and prayed. And I just knew then like, man, this is, this is serious. People's lives are, um, people's lives are on the line here. This, I mean, this is a serious deal. This is not just a get together and have a worship and pray. I mean, this is going to change people's lives. I remember after the first time I was speaking to that first one, I just got down and never really spoke in front of anybody before and just went to the altar and, I mean, just cried. It was just, it was overwhelming. By the second one, I just McCann and come to the first one just out of the blue. I'd never met him before. They ended up being uh, uh, good friends with him. He come up to me and said, I'm going to, I need to give my testimony here. The Lord told me to give my testimony here. So we started, uh, um, texting back and forth and just speaking to each other. But I remember a really special moment the day after the first uh, revival that we got that we throw. I, it was just, that was the day that uh, they had a true encounter with the Lord. I just never been any more high or drunk in my entire life. I just remember sitting out and Jill was down to Branson at a women's deal. I was just there by myself, just the Lord and myself just praying and just crying and praying and getting visions and getting words. And it was just a, it was the day that I got completely submerged into the fire of God. It was just overwhelming. Something I hope I would never forget. And I don't believe I ever would forget it. It was the day of days. Then uh, the next weekend we had the, the revival. Justin spoke then uh, I spoke and gave this testimony. And after it was over, my brother-in-law sent me a picture. And uh, it was a, of a man of his now son-in-law of grandpa that had cancer that looked just like mine, but it like completely overtook his whole face. And I don't know what his story was. I believe he was a Christian man, but he had got the surgery and uh, everybody's different. I'm not saying that he should have done what I should have done. But when I seen that picture, I just knew that I had made the right decision. And if I would have got the surgery or if I made any other decision other than fully surrendering my life to God, I would not be here today. So sometimes not listening to God, maybe things we see don't happen. But there's times that when we don't listen to God and we're not fully obedient, the, uh, the wrath of God could be stronger than you could possibly imagine. So a person's got to be obedient the best he can in all situations. That's really my testimony. It was just obedience. Because after that, me and Jill had got to start seeking and learning more about the Lord, found out about deliverance in the main spirit or the head spirit or the, I can't think what they call it spirit that was in me was disobedience but finally but my obedience is what saved my life that got casted out of us then we went on the road of in the um, doing deliverance and understanding about casting out demons and start really um, really believe in the full gospel instead of just half of the gospel and uh, as you read in Mark uh, 
15 through 16. Um, it's just how we try to, to live our lives now. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. You know, that's where um, I grew up. It probably, where it kind of stopped. As you go into 17, these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. Miraculous signs of miracles, like being healed from cancer, your heart being healed, your whole family being being healed. I mean, that's a miraculous sign. That's right. As something that we got to see and that grew our faith. They will cast out demons in my name and they will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. Amen. So we just uh, truly believe in the miraculous powers of the Lord. I mean, obviously the main thing first is salvation and surrender and humbling yourself to God. But there's so much more the Lord has after that. And it just seems like our assignment now is to go around and tell people about the testimony of the miracles of what he done in our family. I mean, the cancer is just such a miracle, but the healing in my own self's heart and the healing in your heart, if it wasn't for the Lord, how could you ever, how could you ever forgiven me? How would our marriage ever be restored? How would our family, our three kids lives be completely changed without, um, Surrendering all to, to God. I mean, that's the miracle that our whole family has turned and went the way of the Lord. Amen. So, just going through different parts of that testimony, uh, just different parts um, bring up different memories. And you hear a lot of different testimonies of a lot of different other people, and they're all, everybody's testimony is awesome. But really, when you really think of your own testimony of what God has done for you, because you was there, I mean, you know what you was. You know where you was at, and you see how God has changed your life. It's amazing. So a person really needs to remember what they was and see what God has um, done in their own lives and not worry about my testimony or somebody else's they're good to listen to but really just think of what god has done done in your life mm -hmm. i mean that's what amazes me more than anything i mean it's it's just it's amazing to me it is amazing and he uses he uses our testimony though to reach other people to give them hope and to bring all those things to their families and on and on and on that's the that's how we win. Yep. That's how Christ Our testimony would have been awesome when we was twenty five. We'd worked up a pretty good uh, testimony <laughs> by that time. But uh and I wish things didn't happen the way they did, but we just but the Lord will use it to be able to help and free other people. Right. He works all things together. Yep, makes it back to full circle. Um, it's just amazing how we was working with, kind of doing a small men's group. The Lord brings it back around to the man of revival. He's doing 
the circle prayers at the old church in Gilman, and all of a sudden the Lord speaks through me through a circle prayer 25 years later at a a tent revival. It's just amazing. I mean, sometimes you think you've lost a lot of time, but uh, the Lord restores restores it all. And our job now is just to be able to go out and really tell people of what the Lord has done for us. There's never, there's never nobody that's hopeless. There's nobody that's gone, took it too far. That's right. Um, the other night, uh, got to go to a um, a deal with the the Mexican people. We was down there giving out uh, some bonuses to fellas for that's uh, worked all summer. And uh, I didn't have a big opportunity. Obviously, I don't speak a lot of Spanish. But to be able to get up and tell them that, because uh, everybody there was drinking and who knows what they was doing. I know there was people there that uh, um, come from a pretty rough crowd. And uh, to be able to get up and to be able to speak, and um, I knew that I needed to, to talk about Jesus the best I could to in that situations and just said, you know, I've, I've been a drunk. I've been a drug addict. You know, I have cars and I have, uh, money. I've had a good life, but nothing is more important. Nothing is more important than Jesus Christ. I would give up everything for Jesus. And, uh, and they had little groups of people there that was all translating to everybody. So they all got to hear the word. So I got to plant the seed and just uh you know to be able to show them that i truly truly love them i'm better than nobody i just uh i've been been saved i get to go to heaven so um what an awesome experience and as you're sitting there thinking like man this maybe a crowd i shouldn't be in then my next thought was you know you're here because of jesus they need to see jesus these just because they're acting this way, you've acted like that. That doesn't mean that I can't completely change their lives. That's right. So, you know, we're around unbelievers. We're at places where um, the crowd's a little little different, maybe saying things we don't want to say. It doesn't mean we need to be fully involved and hanging around them all the time, but they need to be able to see Jesus in us. They need to be able to see a difference yeah. in us. Like he's still having a good time. He's still filled with joy and he's not partaking in the things of the world. Right. Amen. So we just need to be the light in all situations. Um, just cause we're Christians doesn't mean we need to be just, uh, beat down and not have anything. I mean, the Lord promised us an abundance life. He just said, give everything to him when he asks. So, Fully surrender your life to the Lord. Uh, if he asks you to do something, do it. If he asked me to give up everything I got, I would give it up in a heartbeat. Probably easier said than done, but I would. I would never want to lose the Spirit of God in my life. I know what it was like before. I mean, I remember. That's why you need to say your testimony. That's right. why you need to remember your testimony. We had a lot of somewhat good times, but you look back now, they was really just misery if it was a good time that night the next day you was sick and miserable mm-hmm. and the hurt and the and the pain that you were afflicting on your family and other people around you none of it was worth it other than a 
your testimony to be able to tell somebody else that could help them in the same situation. So all glory to God. Anything the Lord is, um, anything I'd have to give to the Lord would come from he's already given it to me. So the only thing I can give back to him is what he's already given to me. And the Lord allows um, everything that's happened in my life. I praise him and thank him for the good. I praise and thank him for the the bad. Um, Thank you all for listening. Uh, We'll have uh, Jill pray and uh, see you next time. Lord, we just want to thank you for this opportunity, God, just to to reach the nations, God. You tell us to go out and, and share you with other people, Lord, to love other people. And, Lord, we just pray that um, this miracle testimony, God, of not only saving Brian's life, but saving our marriage, saving our children, and, Lord, our children's children, Lord, um, for generations, God, we pray that, that your spirit um, would thrive, God, that the Holy Spirit would be moving and working through us, Lord. And, Father, we just surrender it all to you. Um, we're nothing without you, Lord, and we don't ever want to look back, God. And so, Father, we thank you for this opportunity, and we just pray, God, that your, um, your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.